It's a good radio voice. Thanks, baby. Billy has amazing podcast I feel, uh, voice. Nervous right now. I'm not nervous at all, Ben. You're good. You look sexy. Press those. No feelings. one can see me though. I can. I can hear the shaking in your voice. <laughs> hey, uh, welcome to um the dive podcast. Oh, fuck! Fuck! Stupid! Stupid! <laughs> This is episode one of the Dive Podcast. My name is Ben. I'm the drummer of Dive. Hi, Ben. That's Bailey. Hey, everybody. I'm Andrew Bailey. They will call me Bailey, probably. Yes, we will. (laughs) It's next to impossible for me not to call you Bailey. Yeah, that's fine. It's also impossible for me to introduce myself as Bailey. I know. <laughs> so I am Andrew Bailey, everybody. Sometimes people talk to me and they say Andrew, and I'm like, who are you talking about? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'm Colin. Hey, Colin. Hey, bud. You can call me Col. Oh, yeah. What do you do in the band? You play bass. I play bass. I play guitar. Uh, I'm Cole, and I also play guitar. And you sing, baby. Two guitars. What the fuck? I don't sing. Oh, yeah. Colin doesn't sing. That's me on all the backup vocals. <laughs> <laughs> sound like an angel. <laughs> uh... We are reporting live from our beautiful studio space. Minus the live. Yeah. Well, I mean. This is live, we're effectively. together in the same room. This is not a Zoom oh, call. Right. Uh, in the smoldering remains of what used to be sunny Los Angeles. Mm-hmm. And we've been recently COVID tested. Mask off so you can hear a voice unfiltered. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Got tested just for that reason. Yep. I haven't gotten the results yet, but... <laughs> all right, so there's a bit of a wild card in the room right We're now. We're assuming it's all good. Yeah. So since this is episode one, I figured we would talk about what the podcast is going to be and why the podcast is. Mm. Um, I think it's going to be a pretty chilled podcast. We're just going to talk about music, talk about stuff. We might even play some music by our own band and by other bands and musicians. Um, but why? Why a podcast? Why not, dude? That's a valid point. I think, practically speaking, we, in practice, talk so much in between jamming and working on songs anyway. So I think, I can't remember whose idea it was initially, but I feel like that was part of the spark. It was like, we should just... We all listen to podcasts and we kind of naturally do this together anyway. I think the idea came out of like 
basically being in a pandemic and trying to brainstorm ways to survive. Right. Yeah. And then like looking at things like podcasts and how they have the Patreon model and stuff like that. And would that be able to work with a band? And then we thought, well, fuck it. We might as well just do a podcast too. Yeah. And, and, you know, I think we're kind of watching our industry just like crumble around us. And there's, there's kind of like, it seems like an opportunity to make new rules, you know, because the, the system doesn't, doesn't serve artists, you know, the, the Spotify model, the streaming model is just interested in creating money for its investors and CEO through the labor of musicians that are undercompensated. And so like, if we can't rely on that, you know, it's like, we gotta, you know, I'm not, it's not, I'm not pushing some like bootstraps narrative, like, like, yeah, all those fucking like at risk black and brown workers just need to start a podcast. But like, you know, I think that we're in an up, have a, you know, platform and opportunity where it seems like something that we can do where we're not relying on like an exploitative, you know, bullshit Spotify model. Yeah, totally. we, you know, us and most of our peers make all their money from touring. Mm-hmm. Also, I, I know we don't as a band think about like our music as like content, but we are like, it's like comparable to other like new internet, like content creators and all of those like new medias and everything have just transitioned so like seamlessly into like the pay what you want economy or whatever it makes sense for us to give it a shot yeah i remember when uh like when quarantine lockdown not when it started but when we realized that it was going to be a while basically and my one of my first thoughts was this is going to be good for people like us musicians because you know the system didn't just crumble it's been crumbling since mp3s came out and it's just been held up in a way that still preserves profits for, you know, all the fools exploiting us. But <clears throat> this is forcing bands to, like, really reinvent the business model and kind of take the power back and build build a structure that will be, fu- you know, profitable for future bands and stuff like that. And in a way, it's exciting to get back to our kind of, like, DIY roots. Yeah, hell yeah. You know, it's kind of why we started the band was to just, like, make our own stuff and uh, you know it, and it's, it's it can be fun to just like make shit you know yeah, totally and it was weird when it just like became our job instead of our hobby um and you know now it just kind of feels empowering to to just you know not have to worry on about all these other people involved and it's just like we're just gonna make stuff yeah yeah that's true i bet there's a lot of bands that if they hadn't been signed to like a bigger deal would have been more creative and put out more interesting content but like just that like you achieve that goal like okay we signed to a big label we put out a record and it was well received that like incentive for the DIY like um, just doing shit that you love and what got you into it kind of goes out the window yeah I feel like it's a test that like every band that has success comes up against and some people like confront it right away and deal with it well other bands like don't deal with it well at all and kind of like the like essence of what makes their band special kind of just like dissipates mm-hmm. and then other bands like us it maybe takes a second but i don't feel like we like you know completely like lost the plot or something no it's now, just like, easy to become like apathetic or something and you know it's like a, there's there's all these you know it becomes like a bureaucracy it's easy to become apathetic and it's also easy to 
just all of a sudden feel like we can't do the things because there's there's so many like structures around with like label and like people shooting videos like professionally or making a record professionally mm-hmm. and it just gets into your head that like oh that's like not what we do right we have to like rely on other people for it but yeah we become our job is to go and perform the shows yeah exactly and write songs when they tell us to <laughs> and like that's cool but i don't think it's the best model right we're also you know uh what you might call a mid-level indie band it's not like we had like gigantic huge success right um i mean i don't know it's all relative we definitely have success i was looking at an apartment yesterday and uh even with my mask on the girl who was renting the apartment was like oh my god you're the drummer of dive really Aww. yeah <laughs> she's like wow you can just have this apartment for free <laughs> i'm such a fan which is weird because that never happens even without a mask so i was like wow she's a, a real head that's tight Still getting the guillotine, though, huh? <laughs> <laughs> well, no, she wasn't the landlord. She was trying to get someone to uh, take over her lease. And she was like, my landlord doesn't like freelancers. Oh, perfect. I was like, cool. uh, that's good, great for a city like L.A. Yeah. yeah. Should have heard the shit my old landlord said she didn't like. <laughs> yeah. Yikes. It's just like, get me the fuck out of this yeah. house. Yeah. These people in general. I do think it might be interesting for the listener to for if we go back to February um and even before February maybe January or something so we had a tour booked for Asia yeah including China and our manager was like hey guys there's this virus like spreading in China we might have to cancel that tour and I remember thinking she was insane. Yeah, yeah. Being like, what? Like a virus? Are you kidding? And then cut to being on tour in Europe and things slowly getting weirder and weirder. Shows getting canceled. We had to cancel, I think, Italy and Spain were the first to kind of go. But we just were like replacing those shows with other shows. Right. And then <clears throat> I don't know exactly where it was. I think we were on the border of... Uh, the Czech Republic. Yeah. From where though? What's on the border there? Like Belgium or something? Germany? I don't know. But uh, we got pulled out of the van by people in hazmat suits that took our temperature and handed us a letter that said like, if you're sick, don't Mm -hmm. cross the border. And that's, I feel like when I was like, oh, this is an actual like epidemic, soon to be pandemic. Yeah. And that was before it hit the United States. Yeah. And so like, I remember I posted a picture of us getting the hazmat suit laser temperature gun thing. And everybody in the U.S. was like, what the fuck? Yeah. Like, you know, because it hadn't even occurred to people that it would be like that. Everyone in the U.S. was like, be careful out there. Right. Like beyond the borders of the U.S. where it's like, it's happening, you know? And it was like an instant momentary change. I remember being yeah. in the gas station on the border, you know, and they were playing that, that Foreigner song. And I was like, this would be a cool karaoke song or whatever. <laughs> and we were like getting, you know, buying like weird snacks, like candy. And, and and then like we just got in the van, drove 40 feet, and it was like we entered like a new paradigm. Yeah. But then we came back. Well, we kind of... All the shows started to get canceled, and then it was just like, all right, this tour is clearly, we got to go. But then 
Trump had said something like he wasn't going to allow people to come from Europe. Yeah, I got a text message. No, I actually got an Instagram comment. Cole and I were in the hotel room just like chilling. And I got this notification. It was just some random person who was like, it's it's really just such a bummer that you guys aren't going to be able to come back for two months. Like, stay (laughs) safe out there. And I read it out loud and we were both like, what the fuck? And then like in 10 seconds, both of our phones just like blew up with like family being like, you have to get out. And we turned the TV on and it was like. And it was like three in the morning. Yeah, Yeah, it was lucky that we were even awake. Yeah. Because I was with Ben. We were having a little nightcap outside and he's texting Katrina or something. And it was, he was just like, oh, shit, Trump is saying that we can't come back. And I feel like we were already, like, looking for flights while Trump was still talking. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. We got – it was lucky that we were up because otherwise the yeah. flights went up to, like, $10,000 right, a yeah. seat. And I had just taken a bunch of, like, Benadryl to help me sleep because I suck at sleeping on tour. Yeah. And so then the rest of that night I was, like, fucked on Benadryl trying to, like – decide whether or not I was going to be stuck in Europe for months or like... And we went straight to the airport. Yeah, We we didn't wait. We just like went. We went straight to the airport because we thought it was going to be like chaos getting back in. And then we beat the chaos by like two days. Remember Mm -hmm. all those photos of JFK? Yeah, and LAX and it was and yeah O'Hare and it was just like a sea of people. Where were we? We were in Munich, right? We were in Munich. Remember when we showed up to the airport and uh, my wife's dad before the... Like right after our wedding... I was like, oh, you're going to Europe. Here, take these. And handed me, like, four painting masks. Oh, yeah. I just put them in my bag. And then remember before we went to the <laughs> airport, we put them on. And the person working the, the gate was like, are you infected? <laughs> and I was like, no, we're just wearing the mask to be safe. She was like, well, I can't help you while you're wearing that oh, mask. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And then when we did get back to LAX, it was like, the passport dude like didn't ask where we had been. Right. There was no sign of anything wrong whatsoever. It was just like, "Welcome home, stamp," and then you just yeah. no. Go. Actually, he instead of asking us anything about the pandemic, the one dude was like, "Where's your uh, what's it called? The like manifest of all yeah. Where's your carnet?" And we were like, "Oh what? yeah." And he was like, you have to prove that you didn't buy all this stuff. It's like, dude, don't you, like, we're, like, yeah. fleeing it's like covered Europe in dirt to try to get back <laughs> home because there's a pandemic. Like, why and do you I, give and a and shit? And by that point, it was already hotspots in, I think, Italy and Germany, right? Oh, easily. But and yeah. Spain was, right was closed. Germany, and we like, were in Germany. The borders were, were closing. It's funny to think it about Spain it now because it feels yeah. like it was happening slowly, like you said, Ben. But it was actually happening really quickly. And, like, I feel like before we were in Europe, there was like this slow, and I think we were actually fortunate to like have it in our brains that there was like this pandemic going on. Cause I think a lot of people in the US had like really like much more extreme shock when it started. Yeah. Whereas we were kind of like already experiencing it. But and it was, I had come to terms with the fact that there was like this like crazy thing mm-hmm. happening. It was within a couple days though, or maybe the next day that the lockdown started though. Yeah, true. And I don't know how it was in other places in the country, but in LA, it was full like. I didn't leave my house to even go for a walk for like at least two a weeks. week. Yeah. yeah. Wait, go back. Tell the story about how we found out the tour was even canceled. Which tour? The European one. Remember the band, the other band? Oh. Oh my god. I stayed in the van, so I didn't talk to those dudes. But we, there was some other. Oh right, 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 right. band that we saw, and it's funny. Like when you're on the road, you can just like spot yeah. a band from like a million miles away, and they were very banned. You always like simulate the conversation. You're just like, what band are you in? Like joke around. But then that that exact thing happened. And they're like, oh, you're playing in like blah, blah, blah tonight. Like 
We right. were too. There's no shows happening. Yeah, exactly. They were like, oh, yeah, you're not playing that show. Like, come party with us in, like, Budapest or something. Yeah. You know, like, fuck it. You know, tour's over, bros. And we were like, wait, what are you talking about? Yeah, like, no, we have a show where we're, like, just talking to the promoter. We're going there right, right. now. <laughs> I mean, the show that we played in Munich was literally the last night of public events in Munich. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, we we toured up until, like, the end, yeah. you know? I tell you, somebody told me they got COVID at that show. Whoa. My God. That's I mean, I so, don't know how the fuck you would know, that, but... That's the Munich the show that, was... like, weighs on me. I feel like it, it... In retrospect, it seems irresponsible. Right. Yeah, but, like, we it was know. also, like, this, like, la- everyone was experiencing, like, a last hurrah. And, and the shows were so fun and good, partially because of that, I think. Everyone was, like, having that kind of, like, like uh, sixth sense, like, the, the coming yeah. before the storm mm-hmm. when animals, like turn yeah, and leave i feel weird. like everyone knew that it, something was I about remember to happen being on stage in munich and it because that was a really good show yeah and like usually if it's a good show in like a smaller venue i'm i'll consider jumping into the crowd right. towards the end and like going crazy and i had this like took a step towards the edge of the stage and just looked at everybody and was like there's covid in there <laughs> yeah you know and but then like later it was like wow that was really stupid you should have just done it you're you're falling for it man like you're scared right and the wisdom at the time was like just wash your hands yeah, yeah, you know yeah. and so like you know, it was like we were meeting fans. We were doing all this stuff. Oh, yeah. We were oh, like right. going out, shaking people's hands and be like, one sec, go back, like wash yeah. your hands. And then like, you know, not thinking about the like airborne mm-hmm. nature of the virus. You know, we're just like, oh, yeah, we're in the same room. But like I washed my hands like two minutes ago. Yeah. <laughs> the Dive Podcast. Um, all right. But then, so like, that was a weird experience. And then the lockdown happened. And then it was like, once again, the conventional wisdom was like, uh, just give it a couple weeks, maybe a couple months at the most. And we'll just like be back. I mean, we have, we're supposed to be on tour right now. Yeah. We had like the entire yearbook. Yeah. And you know, that was, uh, seven, eight months ago. Yeah. And it all seemed like, you know, there was like the up the next tour or whatever mm-hmm. it was, you know, and we'd be like, well, you know, maybe that one won't happen, but like for sure we're still going to go to Australia. For yeah. sure we're going to get to play all these festivals over the summer. And it just seems like so, you know, it's not like there was, a, it, not like it was like a, like a good trend in any way, <laughs> yeah. you know, we're just like, well, you know, it's just so far away. It, it'll have to happen. Yeah. And what's, clear now is that uh you know probably for if not nefarious at least misguided reasons the government was just like keep calm and carry on basically like there was no real information out there in fact at the beginning they were like don't wear a mask like i don't know thinking about it now it's like so infuriating and just like it's infuriating, but also, like, entirely predictable. Yeah. Like, Americans are so bad at looking forward to mm-hmm. the future and, like, planning ahead. We're, like, very of-the-moment culture. So, it like, you know, it makes sense that the... Like I don't some... think you can place the blame on the culture, though. It's, like, so clear where that, like, there's this, like, disinformation campaign. Yeah, but, like, the government is also representative of american culture like it's a different branch of culture but it's still like americans running the government and so i think it's beholden to the same kind of like 
pitfalls that we have as a society, even though I agree that it's their fault, you know, yeah. it's not like the average Joe who like just wanted to go to work, you know? And I wonder if they had got it right, like just seeing how stupid people are still now that we do have good information is like, would it even have worked if they said wear masks? Cause people right. like can't even handle the tiniest bit of responsibility. I mean, it worked in New Zealand. I mean, America specifically. Now I think at least like half of the country is much more accustomed to the idea of wearing a mask. And like at first it was like crazy because we had never had that kind of thing that is just so commonplace in like Asia. Like every time we've ever gone to Asia, there's just like people in masks everywhere. Yeah. Like on any given day, even when there isn't something crazy going around. Like, and I think it, there was just a readjustment, but it is insane that like half the country like just seems like they just didn't readjust. And so it's like a split. But it's reality. also, there was, you know, Bailey, you were in New York. We were in L.A. Mm -hmm. These are the largest metropolitan centers of the United States. I bet it felt a lot different. It probably feels different now in, like, North Dakota that, you know, they're getting hit with it. But, like, at the time, they are probably just like, I don't, yeah. I don't know anybody that got sick. I would have felt the same way if I was out in bumfuck USA and, you know, there's all these outbreaks happening in the major cities. I wouldn't even consider it, you know, I'd just be like, oh, okay, as soon as I hear somebody here who's got it, then I'll put on a mask, but why would I even bother? And that's what people got comfortable doing. And then they had gigantic bike rallies and... Right. I think like, like in the same way that when we were in Europe, people were like, be safe over there, like Indiana or fucking, you know, Tennessee or something, that is like a world apart from where we live. And I feel like a lot of people experience the country in that exact way where like you don't think that something's real until it's like in your city because mm -hmm. everything is like this country is so huge. Yeah. And so like, or even within the cities, like, you know, I've, I've been in Brooklyn where, you know, they tell you which zip codes in Brooklyn are having hotspots and it'll be, you know, I'll be in East Bushwick in here that Williamsburg is a new hotspot and really not be worried about it because I don't go to Williamsburg. Right. But it's a 20-minute walk. Yeah. Well, it's like disproportionately the black and brown communities that right. are the people that like don't have the luxury of not being able to work or like don't have the luxury of working at home. Yeah, I had been taking the bus for a little while because the buses were free and it was nice. They were usually empty and the only other people on there were like usually city employees or, you know, some people in uniform on their way or coming from work. And I was like, oh, okay, that makes sense. And then the sign on the bus said, if you don't have to ride the bus, stop. Go home. Stop being a dick. And I realized that I was being a dick and I stopped riding the bus. Mm -hmm. The Dive Podcast. Okay, so we just talked about our experience, um, you know, just as like workers during the beginning of the pandemic. And I'm curious, like as music workers or as music fans, like what your experience was of listening to music or whatever, especially at the beginning of um, the pandemic and quarantine, because I feel like everybody kind of has had this like similar experience. So I wonder like what, what was yours? Yeah, it does seem like a lot of people had a similar experience where at the very beginning, like, I just wasn't 
listening to music and I've heard a lot of other people say that. I think some people are even still just like not consuming that particular type of media. Um, But then, well, there was like all these different kind of phases of the pandemic lockdown in general, where at the very beginning it was kind of fun and I have like kind of an apocalypse fetish. So I was like getting my, my prepper mindset on and like, you know, studying the art of, combat and shit <laughs> like really dumb shit but it's nothing dumb about that <laughs> but um then it got scary and like i was having a lot of anxiety and so i was listening to tons of just like ambient music just like anything that was calming and and nice to listen to or something that could be in the background something not you know in your face in any kind of way or not even anything that you would have to like interpret something that just kind of like washes over you, you know? And then, you know, the next phase, which I don't know, was it two months in that the protests started happening, which was a, a different type of anxiety because once again, at the beginning it was kind of fun and it was like, I'm going to train and I'm going to become a warrior. But then the, uh, the police response to the black lives matter protests was so intense. And then there was like, it was like we had started to go into like phase two or whatever in LA. And then they, they imposed a curfew and it was, that was really scary because you didn't want to be out past the curfew, even to just like go for a walk or whatever. And then they're doing all these weird fucking psyops, like flying helicopters all day and all night, really low in the sky. It's fucking terrifying, man. And like, so that led to a real sense of anger in me. And I started listening to lots of metal, (laughs) which I still, I'm just like on that kick. It's like, all I listen to is like fucking death metal right now. Nice. Um, what about you guys? Well, I I feel like it's really interesting to to think about just kind of, you know, as if we needed like another reason to not listen to rock music in 2020. But um, just like there's there's this like context, there's this like vision you have in your mind when you're listening to rock music. You're like picturing, you know, a band in a room together or in a venue, and like that context is just erased and feels, it's kind of like when you watch a movie and you see people shaking hands or hugging, you're like, what the fuck are yeah. you doing? <laughs> and like, you know, listening to rock music is like, that's like, what are you doing in a room? Why are you, you know, what, <laughs> who is here watching you? And it just, it like takes away kind of the thing for me that as a listener, I love, which is just kind of imagining the people who made it. So it was really hard and still is hard to listen to, especially rock music, but music in general, I think I kind of had a similar thing at the beginning, just didn't, didn't listen to music, you know, just listen to, listen to podcasts or listen to like anything else. Um, and like ambient, I, I was asking you, Ben, for a bunch of recommendations of ambient records, because it was just like, it seemed like a good way to just like reintroduce yourself to like any kind of like your toe back into the musical waters
And I, I feel like I heard a similar thing from a lot of people. And like, you know, even the music they were making, I had a friend who was saying like, yeah, I've been making music, but it all just sounds like it's underwater. And like, <laughs> I was like, same dude. Like it's, you know, it's like, you know, in some ways it's like a luxury that we're trapped in these four walls because we're not like, you know, frontline workers and doing, you know, like at like extremely at risk or whatever, all that. But like, it, there's something like really suffocating about that. And it, it just kind of like seeps its way into the music you're making. So it's like, it felt really, really hard to make any music that felt like there was, it just there felt like there's no purpose, felt fucking pointless. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think for that kind of ties into my experience with it, which was just like, we spent like so long working on a record and we tried so hard and then like shows start getting canceled and immediately you have this kind of like self-centered experience with what's happening where you're like, I can't believe this is happening right now after we did all this work. Yeah. Why is this happening to me? Yeah. And then it quickly it goes away. Cause like, I mean, for, I think like mentally I would have had a much different experience with the pandemic had the Europe tour gotten canceled outright. The fact that we got to like play a bunch yeah. of the shows, almost all of them, and they were so successful and fun and like they really felt like a culmination of all the work that we had put in. That was just so satisfying. So I just tried to feel as like grateful as possible for it. But then we get back and I was like, okay, let's think about this. Like I've had phases in my life where I don't tour or make music and I, I get really depressed because it's like what I do, you know? And now there's like this forced break from touring. And I was like, I have to like try really hard to like figure out another way to like be like happy and like content with myself and everything without this validation of like going and traveling and doing all this like crazy shit. And so I think that was part of my like forced break from music was like an effort to like, like acclimate myself to this like new normal that we're in where like we just couldn't do the things that we generally do to feel like um fulfillment or whatever and so i think not listening to music had a lot to do with that where i was just like you know what music in general i just have to like not think about it for a second and then slowly over time especially with like us getting back in the practice space or like demoing things and like getting creative and finding these new ways to create shit now i'm just like more hopeful and like I've, I've redefined what like being a musician is in my mind. It's just for the longest time, like <clears throat> for us, especially cause we're like a, we're like a more like old school, like touring band. We're not like, you know, we don't have like viral shit on the internet and stuff. Like we go out and we do tours that are like a month long and we do it like by the numbers or whatever in a good way. But so like touring and just like that side of the band was like, in my mind, was that was like the defining thing about dive and then taking it away it was like oh shit what are we going to do now and then that just like you know trickled down into the way i experienced music myself so well do you how were your listening habits affected i just stopped listening yeah i like you know i was mostly listening to podcast shit i would put like i listen to a lot of brazilian music <laughs> Probably 
partially because I can't understand what they're saying. And it was like a similar experience to like ambient. Um, I think I had, I had such a long ambient phase when I was like in my early twenties that I think I was just like, that's not where I went looking for what you guys were looking for. So I would just like, yeah, I was gardening a lot and like putting music on in the background, like exclusively in the background. And then just like, you know, I mean, now, now that I'm back into it, um, like we have a Sono set up in my house and there's music on at all times. It's just like, we're, I'm back into like, there's just music on and I'm constantly consuming it. But for the longest time I would just like eat and sit in silence, you know, and look at my phone, just like. I don't know what that was about. It's fucking depressing. It's terrible. So, yeah, I don't know. I guess like listening habits, a lot of Brazilian music, just not really feeling like, not really feeling like inspired to like go looking for things. Yeah. It has been inspiring to see people continuing to put out music, you yeah, know, and for discovering sure. new music now, like in these past few months, has felt, I don't know, like a little bit more special or something i feel like i can relate to what they're what they're going through and you know it's like with all all this in mind you can't tour you can't do all this stuff and like you're still putting out a record you know that's it's like pretty inspiring to just like watch how about you bailey you've been listening to some shit uh yeah i mean yeah similar experiences y'all when it started uh, nothing but podcasts and, you know, like science videos and shit. But then, um, my version of the ambient music and the Brazilian music was Les Paul's, uh, record called Hawaiian Paradise. Oh yeah. Cause you know, I'd, it felt like I was on an island. I was in the middle of New York City and just never left my apartment. I had a little backyard with like really high fences and it just felt like I was on an island. So that album fit. But I also listened to hip hop. That's where it sucks for y'all. You don't listen to hip hop because hip hop felt just as fine through quarantine listening to it. And a lot of hip hop artists were putting out records. Um, you know, they didn't miss a beat. And so that was cool. But uh, another way that I was lucky is before quarantine started, I had started a project with my girlfriend called Private Places that is like specifically for music you write in isolation. Um, and I we'd started the project the year before when I was living in Tahunga and <clears throat> was like mad depressed and didn't have anything to do all day. And we just like did that. And so when quarantine started, uh, we already had this template ready to just sit down and express that feeling of isolation because <clears throat> um, that's literally why we started that project and so that helped me over for a while and then you know working on other stuff but yeah honestly hip-hop and podcast got me through it and I, I still don't really listen to too much rock music but you know I never really did so uh yeah y- y'all should listen to hip-hop it's tight but I don't think we all listen to rock music really and like we do what I do, do you call it I listen to some hip-hop I listen to hip hop sometimes, but the last time that I really, or when we were making Deceiver and really digging into like rock music, right? That was the first time in a long time that I had been like listening to rock. Yeah, I guess. Yeah, I guess I call everything that's not hip hop rock, unless it's like <laughs> opera or something. 
but I, I think it's a beautifully simple way of looking at the music world. <laughs> Opera's pretty fucking rock too. Yeah, hell yeah. It's also kind of hip hop too. Speaking of which, well, we're gonna talk about the Cure later on. Why don't people sample that more often? I know it's amazing. We'll we'll talk about that later. Yeah, yeah, we should wait because yeah. that's. I want to talk about that too. I have that feeling a lot of time. Like I think the Grateful Dead is the one I listen to <laughs> the most. And I'm like. Why is this not sampled? Really? This Animal Collective sampled it. They did, yeah. yeah. Oh, and you totally Why could sample them royalty-free if you just sample, like, the Dick's Picks bootlegs or whatever, right? Maybe. They probably found some way to... Yeah, I don't know. Um, anyways, all right, so we'll save that for the Cure Chat, which is coming right up, y'all. Yeah, well, I think it probably will be obvious, but... Uh, the main theme of this podcast is going to be music. We'll talk about other shit, but, um, oh yeah, I did want to say, I feel like I wanted to preempt a question that people might have of like, so you said you want to like do this podcast cause musicians can't make a living now. Why don't you just make music? <laughs> and we're doing that also. This, this yeah. podcast is not real replacing our attempts at making an album. Right. Yeah. Dive is a nine to five type of deal. And this is taking up what, Two of those. Uh, yeah. And it's more a result of that. You know, it's like we're making music so we're together around a bunch of mics anyway. You know, we just like moved two drum lines into vocal mics and they're just, you know, it's like we're hanging out and talking all the time anyway. So it felt like just a, you know, a nice kind of easy thing to. Yeah. Yeah. It's not like we're like, we want to like transition into being like music journalists, like think piece writers. Speak for yourself, yeah. bro. <laughs> but it's more just like, this is like a or would will hopefully be like a, just a representation of how we talk about music in general and how it like filters into the music that we make. Yeah, hell yeah. I wish some of my favorite bands had done that. Yeah, totally. I love how that song ends. It's like every single Logic demo that I ever make, just the fucking drum machine going for eight bars. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that was um, In Your House 
by The Cure from their 1980 album, 17 Seconds. 40 years old. Jesus. <laughs> That's insane. Older than me, dude. Um, that was their second full length. Uh, the first one that Robert Smith co-produced with uh, Mike Hedges. Is that the guy's name? Hedge. And Colin, it was your idea to listen to this album. Why don't you tell me a little bit about your experience with it? I actually, I had heard this album previously, but never like close, closely listened to it. And then like a week ago, I started playing it in the car and it's like really good car record. And then also I just had remembered Cole saying that you referenced this album a bunch when you made Ocean. And it like, it sounds different than Dive, but it also has a lot of the same like building blocks like repeating cleanish sounding guitar figures and like cool bass lines, like a synth floating around the background, really simple drums and kind of the general like song structures and kind of like ambient, like wash, wash over you feeling of the album. It just, it, for me, it made, it made sense to start with this cause it's kind of represents like, you know, part of the Genesis of the band. Yeah. And it's funny too, because I feel like I encountered that record, you know, I definitely um, ripped it off really hard <laughs> on Ocean, like, like, you know, explicitly, but I, you know, when we started the band, I don't think I'd ever listened to The Cure, and it wasn't until we played a bunch of shows and everybody was like, you sound like The Cure. Mm-hmm. I was like, oh, I should probably check this band out and listen to Faith and, and this one. Um, 17 seconds and was like this is a perfect record and like shot for the runtime being 35 minutes you know ripped off the idea of the instrumental intro you know the way that the the album kind of unfolds these little you know there's like that little interlude in the middle that apparently was supposed to be this like longer thing and the tape just ran out <laughs> but a lot of that stuff uh, you know just straight up stole from from the band but I'd was not a fan or didn't know anything about it until people were like, your band sounds like this. Yeah. I love how uh, sometimes the guitar is just the rhythm instrument and the bass is the lead. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's really sick. Which is like very similar to mm-hmm. yeah, Dive. Sure mm-hmm. like and the synth lines too, where it's like, that is like the melody, you know, yeah. but it's like just this buried texture and like the these like arpeggios become the melody, which is like, you know, they're, it's not like the thing that you think of as being like a, um, the melodic um, element of a song, but like that guitar line, just it's the entire song. Yeah. Yeah, the, the synths are really cool, really minimal, just like mono synth, single note at a time stuff. But like, because the arrangements are so minimalist, it just like, it's everything just fits perfectly in its little space. And it's, but it's like, also really weird kind of lo-fi there's like some songs where the vocals are like super low in the mix just like bizarre decisions yeah super weird decisions and super like like stark decisions where it sounds minimal but it also sounds like it's 40 years old now but it sounds extremely contemporary to me in the same way that a lot of like big sounding pop music now is just like it's like a few sounds turned all the way up you know, and there's so much space between. 
I also really love the the feeling of like all the sounds are really dry, but they're all like sending to like the same like flanger and reverb. And so there's moments where there'll be like that big drum fill, um, do 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 and the big crash like flanges out. But you can hear the synth and the guitar and sometimes the vocal effects like also running through that. And so you have this really like bare bones, like simple sounding song, but then the textures underneath it are just like swampy. It's like a really cool balance. And it's weird, like when you think about, I think when most people think about The Cure, the thing that comes to mind is Robert Smith and his voice. Yeah. And like, you know, like Ben was talking about some of the decisions on the record to like bury the vocals. It's like that is like by far the most like compelling thing. It's like one of the most pure and beautiful voices in the history of rock music. And just like, okay, let's take this thing and just like bury it. Or like this song, you know, let's just not have vocals for like four minutes of the song. You know, let's just let this like really minimal composition just like run its course. And then and then when the vocals do come in, they're not really following the like verse chorus thing that they do on some of their like bigger hits or whatever. It's just like a line that's like a little bit ambiguous or whatever. And then the the vocals stop and you're just kind of left thinking about this like line like I drown at night in your house. Such like, a brutal line. Like pretending to swim. Pretending to swim. Yeah, I love that lyric. Yeah, the whole song, the lyrics are a really cool, just like little mini story. Yeah, that's what I connected to more than the music was the lyrics of it. Like I relate to that so hard, of, you know, like starting a relationship with somebody and then you enter kind of their world rather than they're entering yours or like an even split. It's just like, all right, now I'm in your world and this isn't my world and I don't belong here and I'm an imposter or just like after they go to sleep and then you can just like wander around their house and just like really what you never did that <laughs> uh well you know what i'm saying like uh i really love that because i i have a hard time sleeping so i'm usually up later and i'll walk around the house of somebody i just started dating and just like be like all right this is the life that i am entering mm-hmm. um i'm just gonna pretend to swim through it and i think so many early relationships in your life you you kind of are like trying out identities or something right, and yeah, like exactly. you're just and dating like, people is in a way like adopting a new identity you know you you're attracted to their identity and want your identity to be to be more like it and like uh some relationships it's completely imbalanced where it's just one person conforming to the other person yeah. Um, but it's really hard to find that even split or just find somebody whose world is very similar to yours. You know, like, um, my current girlfriend, he was up alley. Uh, we, we basically inhabited the same world to begin with. And so, uh, living together is no big deal. Yeah. You never had to pretend, pretend. Yeah. Or maybe she did. I should ask her. dive podcast and then the single from the record was um a forest forest yeah what's it called i think it's called a forest yeah um which is my second favorite song besides the one we just listened to yeah that seemed like the most natural one to choose which is kind of why i said i didn't know what the single was but then i heard that one i was like oh this is the single because uh, it's a really good song. It's it sounds insane. so much like Doused. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that was a literal theft. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, but it was diff- it's different enough. It's just my like the... concept with that song was like, 
what if I made this song except with Ben drumming? <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it was funny when everybody first started copying what I thought, you know, like Dive came out and we're, we were pretty buzzy in Brooklyn or whatever. And then the next year there was like all these bands that sounded like us. And I was like, oh, wow, we're really influential. And I just realized they were just ripping off The Cure too. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, or Joy Division, I guess. It's kind of my go-to when people are like, oh, what do you sound like? Right. I say The Cure meets My Bloody Valentine or something. Especially because like The Cure, like it's weird to think about like how big some of those Cure songs were. And like, you know, it's a point of reference that like everybody has. It's just like mainstream pop music. Yeah, they were a household name. Which is why I like 17 Seconds so much because it doesn't have... It's funny that it comes out in 1980 because it just doesn't sound like the 80s to me very mm -hmm. much. And then like their following output, like especially after like pornography or whatever, just starts to sound extremely 80s. Mm -hmm. And I still, I still like like what's the big, the really big record with Disintegration. Yeah, I still really love Disintegration, but it's it's I have to be in the mood for it because it's so time stamped. Yeah. But 17 Seconds just sounds like it could have come out like at any point. Yeah. after the point it came out it sounds like like late 80s to me you know because a lot it, honestly it, it inspired a lot of techno music from what i can tell mm. you know and like uh and so when i listen to it it puts me back into that like early 90s uh techno yeah for vibe. sure and so if i if i didn't know when that record came out in 17 seconds i would have guessed like 89 well the funny thing is like the you know the like synths and drum machines they're using are just like they just happen to become timeless yeah. right. machines. So like you, you know, if you hear an 808 or something, you're not thinking about like when it came out. There's like so it's it's like become the like foundation of so much music. And so the the sounds sound contemporary because like they just kind of never stopped being um, great. You know, 808 for people that don't know is like a drum machine and the kick drum is used extremely frequently now in popular music especially like trap music the, like the low the low bass sound is almost always and, like and a specifically pitched. a kick with a tone associated with yeah it. yeah but it's also just been like a yeah a mainstay drum machine for so long mm -hmm. this album also like embodies goth yes in such a way like if you listen to like Bauhaus, like Christian death or something. It's just like, oh, this is that. I don't know if that stuff came out before or after 1980, but if it came out after, it seems... Bauhaus were contemporaries, right? It was in Bauhaus late 70s, early 80s? Yeah. I think it was all around the same time. And so sometimes I feel like a lot of times, or all the times, a weird thing happens in the world where like people accidentally make the same type of shit all at the same time. And they weren't necessarily like listening to each other. Like in the sixties, I feel like that was a huge thing that like or all Dennis over the, the world. Y'all know about the Dennis and Menace thing? Uh, yeah. What was oh, it? Yeah, Dennis the Menace a... and then, um, so the Dennis the Menace came out in the U S and the UK on the same day, <clears throat> but it was a completely different Dennis the Menace, completely different comic strip artists or what are they called completely different comic cartoonists that's not the word <laughs> wait there was two separate comic strips that both had the name dennis the menace both had the name dennis the menace both were about like you know a wild kid pissing off his neighbor 
and they both came out on literally the exact same day. Uh, and then, you know, people explain it like, oh, you know, it's because this is post-war, you know, yeah. like everybody had kids running around. It was like a common theme of having a bunch of obnoxious kids pissing off the older neighbor. And then Dennis was like a really common name and it only rhymes with really one thing. So it's like, but that's just insane to me. Mm-hmm. Anyways. I mean, isn't there a bunch of stuff like that? Like, you know, like there was like 10 people working on the theory of relativity at the same right. time. Yeah, and yeah, like yeah, if exactly. Einstein hadn't. And, and that makes sense just because, like, that was not necessarily the logical conclusion, but there was, like, a lot of things pointing towards that, and it just took smart people to put the pieces together. Or, so. like, inventing the light bulb or something. There was, like, uh, you know, yeah, 10 yeah, patents. Totally. Like, art and, like, invention in general um, of, like, an idea is just, like, a response to your surroundings. Yeah. Or uh, another example is the Armageddon Deep Impact thing. Yeah. yeah. The, or Where, Volcano and Dante's it, Peak. Right, right, yeah. Where specifically with Armageddon and Dante or in uh, Deep Impact was four years before those movies came out, there was like a National Geographic article about, you know, like hypothetically what would happen if a comet came at us. And then four years is exactly how long it takes Hollywood to like to take an movie. idea. Somebody writes <laughs> a script, they find everybody, get the production, you know, all that stuff. And so it seems like a coincidence, but it's actually, you can just trace it back to a logical source. I just checked Bauhaus put out their first singles in 1980. Oh, So same, same time. So yeah, so like the the cultural climate and things and like the, the, you know, drum machines or whatever, stuff like that available to it. Uh, You know, I mean, that happens a lot, right? Yo, did anybody recognize the, uh, that like reverse reverb thing on the vocals in that song? Mm Mm-hmm. When when we were making the record, there was this um, old like crust punk song uh, that it's dystopia song mm-hmm. that that Ben brought to the band, and I was like stress builds character. Stress builds character, and there's this like weird backwards reverb where like all the words kind of sound like they're sucking into themselves. Yeah, mm-hmm. and like we referenced that a bunch, and it was really cool to hear on this. Um, they employ it on the drums a bunch too, mm-hmm, like, like backwards snare. Yeah. I think the cure is really interesting too, because for us as a band right now, because we made deceiver and we were so like careful about our references and like deliberate about like different sounds, like guitar sounds, drum sounds, or even like styles and parts, but we never talked about the cure. Um, and w- which was such a big part of the first two records, and we just like somehow like overlooked it or something. I feel like it was on purpose, kind of, you know. Yeah. Like, uh, I just it's like I think if you're in the mindset of like, okay, I'm trying to evolve, you know. Yeah. You, like leave behind, but like the thing that the like fallacy there is that like these artists were evolving too, so right. like you can kind of like track your own evolution in that way, and like you know the first record was like a ripoff of 17 seconds. And then when the second record came out, I feel like people talked about it sounding like pornography mm-hmm. a lot, the, another Cure record, and that wasn't on purpose, but it was just kind of this like, you know, just like an evolution thing that just happens naturally. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, it is interesting that we didn't talk about it at all, but I think we were kind of trying to branch out. It's like, okay, the Cure stuff is a given, so let's just like branch it in this direction and like talk about, you know, neurosis or something. But it's cool how like <clears throat> even though we weren't like directly referencing them, like stuff they did still found its way in 
Because like we were probably referencing other bands that were influenced by The Cure, you know? Yeah, that's one thing. I Because I had never listened to this record before yeah. last night. And so much of it was familiar. And, and familiar from my own playing, where I can tell that I was influenced by the people who were influenced. Yeah, exactly. By The Cure. Yeah. In the Wikipedia, uh, it calls the songs Gloomscapes. Mm. I think that's a pretty good descriptor of the Hold songs on, uh, in the album. I can think of better gloomscapes can... They're not scapes. There's lyrics. When I when I hear escape, I picture like really long form, uh, you know, not first chorus verse type stuff. Yeah, they're pretty minimal lyrically though and vocally. Like even the one song that we're talking about, the um, what's the next song that has? It's like the really gothy sounding one that has the vocals like extremely buried to a point of like hilarity almost. Three. Yeah, he's kind of just like speaking poetry or something but it's like it when we say it's quiet maybe we'll play a clip it's really quiet yeah Like, like it sounds like a mistake almost. Yeah, like the, like a uh, an artifact left on the tape or something. Yeah, exactly. Maybe it was honestly. Maybe he was like, I don't like the vocal. Right. So yeah, that's the one with the piano beat. And when I heard that, I I couldn't stop rapping over it. <laughs> oh my <laughs> it's so god! Good. It's like a nice up tempo beat that's like uh, I don't know. I I listened to that one like four times in a row, just freestyling over it. And then I was like, somebody's got to have sampled this. And then and it wasn't even the first time I'd thought about it listening to the record. You know, like I would hear tones and you're know, like, oh, that'd be a really good sample. I bet somebody already grabbed that. And then I got to this one. I was like, somebody definitely grabbed this. But it's really nothing. Like, especially in hip hop, there's no cure samples. There's I wonder like, if it's like some legal thing or something. Well, that's what I assumed. But then I checked and they... They are sampled by like electronica type stuff or whatever. It, I'm just uh, guessing by the name of the bands, but they weren't hip hop. That song in particular really sounds like Illmatic to me. Oh, interesting. Like the like the like brashness right, of the yeah, drum sounds yeah. and the piano sounds and everything. And how deep like the words of my breath. I never sleep because sleep is the cousin of death. Um, do, does anybody did anybody have associations with the phrase 17 seconds besides this record before? <laughs> No, uh, but it clearly has. So I was hoping you guys were going to fill me in on that. There's a hardcore band called Seven Seconds. Yeah. Well, okay. So I just, you know, there's like a, it's like, it's like 28 grams, you know, right. it's like the thing of like the weight of like your soul when right, you die. Right. Like, and I thought that 17 seconds was something like that. Like I thought it had to do with like how long your brain works or something yeah, after you die. And, it, and, and like, and then I Googled it and I tried like, 15 seconds, 16 seconds, 17, 18, and, like, I couldn't find anything about really? that. And, like, I, yeah, I'm, I'm kind of curious, like, what? But, but then I, like, you know, listened to the song 17 seconds, and I was like, oh, it's, like, it's kind of like that, um, the Elliot Smith line in A Passing Feeling where he's, like, took a long time to stand, took an hour to fall. It's, like, an arbitrary amount of time mm -hmm. where, like, your life can completely change, it seems like what the what the song is about, and it's just like, you know, 17 seconds, and it's just like he, you know, made up a number that sounds cool. Right, yeah. I, I, when I was looking up the record, uh, there's a movie called 17 Seconds that popped up, and so I just assumed that it was like, yeah, something like 28 grams. 
Um, but it's not. It's about a hockey team that I think scored a bunch of goals in 17 <laughs> seconds. <laughs> Notorious hockey fans, the cure. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's funny, too. Like, we're, you know, we're talking about these, like, kind of, like, converging realities. Uh, like, something that came up was, I thought maybe it was 127 seconds it was in my mind. But that's... 127 hours. hours, which is that movie where James Franco cuts his hand off. Drinks his oh, own right. But there's also that... The, Screamer song. The Screamer song Hell about yeah. the fucking plane hijacking, the 127 hours of fear. No, that's one. That's 122. 122. Okay, right, right, right. 122. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't know Richard Nixon was in that band. <laughs> be quiet or be killed. Be quiet or be killed. <laughs> God, that song is so good. I was trying to find that hip hop beat you made sampling that song the other day. I tried to find it once too. Yeah, I can't find it. I might just make another one. God, that song is good. I just took the do do yeah, do yeah. the like synth part because they're they're cool. The Screamers were uh, they're L.A. Right? Yeah, I think they're, they're L.A. punk band that was. They were just... like an L.A. like fake punk band. Like they weren't even musicians or anything. They were just like, oh, let's do like. It was almost like an art project. Yeah, they never like, recorded an cool. album. Right, yeah, they just played like three or four shows. And they had a Gary Panther logo. But like the cool thing today about them, you know, even though there's no like actual album, is they're just a band that had two synths or like two keyboards, drums, and a, and a vocalist. Yeah, so yeah. there's like no guitars or bass. And they were still hectic as fuck. Like, they were hectic. <laughs> like a lot of it is just that one dude's energy. But one of the most shit. insane looking front men of all time. Yeah. God, that shit is cool. You better shut up and listen. <laughs> uh, what a better way to start a song. <laughs> um, should we talk about Adam Sandler? That was my introduction to The Cure. What do you mean? Uh, hap- wet, mm, oh, wet, wedding, wedding singer. singer. Yeah, yeah, wedding singer. Oh. What song does he sing? He doesn't sing a song, but he plays his own song where he's like, sorry about this one. I was listening to a lot of Cure. And oh. then he plays like a really bummer song where the chorus is something just like. He's like, pretty please put a bullet in oh, my yeah, head. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm begging you. Please, <laughs> please, please. Um, it's funny. Yeah. Like, I feel like that was, that's like, I think why it took me so long to get into right, The Cure. Yeah. Because, like, I, I loved how Ben mentioned the, like, kind of, like, original version of goth. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, 1980, like, Bauhaus, Cure, goth, like, you know, gloomscapes and stuff. And, like, it just got so co-opted in our childhood by, like, Warp Tour, like, right. you know, like, Misfits wannabe bands. Yeah, I remember seeing pictures of Robert Smith, you know, in the 90s or something. just being like, wow, that guy is very not cool. <laughs> yeah, but then you watch videos so cool. of them in, in, in the 1980s when they're, you know, playing these songs live, and he just looks like a, like a kid. Yeah, he's like a normal-ass dude. Like just a kid. I mean, I had a similar experience with Elliot Smith, where I remember kids in, like, grade school and early high school would listen to him, and they were just so, like, angsty, and it was almost, like, co-opted by, like, Twee a little bit. And, like, just, like, it just, I don't know, it left, like, a bad taste in my mouth. And people would be like, oh, yeah, between the bars, you know? (laughs) And they would, like, write down his lyrics. And I was like, this is not for me. But now I, like, love it so much. There's a lot of shit like that. I guess we wouldn't have been buds in high school then. (laughs) Well, I don't know. Yeah, it could be. I think specifically with The Cure, though, there was a such a visual aspect of, like, the fashion and the way they dressed and did the crazy hair and shit. Right, yeah. yeah. That did get co-opted by, like, you know, Flock of Seagulls or whatever, all these, like, pop synth bands in the 80s that were like oh this is cool and dark like 
let's do this. And by the time we were alive and like coming of age, it was like on its like second or third wave. So yeah, we were it was like, like a parody of itself by that point. I hated the eighties all throughout my life until like mm-hmm. maybe like 10 years ago or something when I was like, Oh, there is good music here. It's just like a lot of the pop music. I just didn't, and still don't really like relate with at all. I bet you 20 years from now, there's just going to be somebody like discovers dive and is like, Oh, maybe the 20 teens didn't suck. <laughs> I wonder about that all the time. I mean, like, you know, it's, it seems like such a, a similar time, you know, there's like Thatcher and Reagan and, right. and like, just like this, this fucking like hellscape of a world that like really set the, set the tone for, for the, the time we live in right now. And, you know, I wonder if there's like more parallels than than we're realizing in in the music from then and the music now. Yeah, I mean, Reagan was the original Trump. Mm-hmm. You know, he was a he was an actor. He was a an unqualified, blood sucking garbage man who you know had dementia and was still leading the free world. I wonder how people will think of decades from here on out, though, because I feel like as time goes on. Not to like open up a can of worms, but like as time goes on, like I feel like history is demarcated in shorter and shorter yeah, amounts of time. Yeah, decades are getting shorter. Yeah, and like even like 2020 feels like its own decade almost. You know, it's not even over, and like it should get its own chapter. And saying the tens or the twenties, like, like saying the twenties, you know, you still think of like flappers and like fucking yeah, Great yeah. Gatsby. Well, I think they'd say the twenty twenties or something. But I mean, it's, it just doesn't, I mean, this is maybe a dumb point, but like, it doesn't like sound as good. Like, I feel like the idea of decades is like kind of a weird dead idea now. And I always feel like decades, like don't, you know, I, I don't, I feel like the sixties didn't start until like 1963, totally. you know, or even and later like the, really, especially yeah, like, what people picture as the sixties right. is really like 68 through 74. Yeah, it was like three years. Even this, even seventeen seconds came out in nineteen eighty, but it doesn't sound like like an, you know, an overtly eighties record in the same way some of their other catalog does. Yeah, it sounds just as much in place with like <clears throat> late seventies Joy Division stuff as it does with like late eighties people copying the Cure. Right. <laughs> dive podcast well i would like to say to uh you humble listener thank you for listening to the very first episode uh this is a bit of an experiment the format might change a little bit but uh i think we're gonna do you guys want to jam a little bit we can record it and oh yeah and let let these people hear what our practice space sounds like only if i can play drums well, no one can see this, so <laughs> yeah, that's right. They'll never know. All right, everybody, it's, it's going to be me on the drums. <laughs> I feel like it'd be nice to just take like a little idea, something from the song, and just, you know, try yeah. to turn it into something, or just see. I don't know. Yeah, let's just have fun with it. Make good, good ending credits music. Yeah, for sure. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, and then we can cut this or not, but uh, you know, because this is episode one, this will be. Free to all, probably the first few episodes will, right? Yeah, yeah, for and sure. And then eventually we're going to put this shit behind a paywall so that 
we can try to survive. Not the whole thing. It'll be like normal episodes of just doing like album reviews and stuff. We'll still be out for free, and then we'll be doing stuff like um, some bonus content. Yeah, just you know, less music-related podcast material, and then more, way more jamming, um, and like video content and all that fun stuff will be up on the Patreon eventually. But for now, we're just freeballing it. Oh yeah, and I wanted to say at some point like if people wanted to hear us talk about something or like had ideas for us, you can hit us up and maybe oh, yeah. we'll yeah, listen I'm to curious you. Maybe to hear we won't. what people want us to yeah, hop on the, spend uh, our time on. on the Facebook dive podcast page <laughs> that I haven't made yet. Or uh, where, where, do, where do podcast people talk nowadays? Discord, oh, yeah. Discord, Everybody right? just sends everything on Instagram DM. Like, how do I pay for shipping? Or like, right, how yeah, much yeah. is shipping to <laughs> yeah. Germany? I'm like, I mean, <laughs> well, once we start a Patreon too, there's a comment section on episodes. Oh, okay, cool. So, well, yeah, hit us up and we will respond and do what you tell us. Maybe. Thanks for listening, everyone. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs>